Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. So we're going to dive right in to part three of our Joy Anyway series as we go through the book of Philippians together. And uh, today we're going to kind of be coming to the end of chapter one, and we'll get to that in a minute. So let's go ahead and go to the Bible. Let's go ahead and open up uh, to Philippians chapter one. And we're going to read starting from verse 27, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Uh, Really cool feature when you're online in the chat room, there is a section where you can actually look up the Bible passages, but make sure that you're interacting We love it when people get on there and they talk and they click the hearts and they type amen. So make sure you're interacting with everyone as well. That's part of the fun of the online experience. So let's go ahead and read again, Philippians in the New Testament, chapter one, starting at verse 27, and we're gonna go to verse 30. Paul says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, Whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Sometimes we kind of want to forget that part, don't we? we? We want the privilege, but we don't necessarily want the suffering. And he says, I know that I, or I'm sorry, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. And, and as we get into the message today, my prayer is that our hearts will be open that we would continue to to lean into what God's trying to say, that we'll continue to lean into the presence of God. And we're the type of church where we don't just have uh, Christians and Jesus followers who are watching. Convo Church has always been the place where there's people from all stages of a journey, whether you're not sure if you believe or if you're brand new or you've been walking with Jesus for years. But so we're gonna pray and ask God to help us in this moment because we go to the Bible so that we can learn, so that we can grow, and so God can continue to do something special inside of us. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful that you are with us today. We're grateful for your faithfulness, and God, as as we dive into your word today, I pray that you would help every single one of us, no matter where we find ourselves in our journey with you, no matter where we find ourselves in the craziness and the turmoil that's going on around us right now, I pray that by your faithfulness, by your love and grace, that you would help us to hear your words today, that our hearts would be soft to receive, that our ears would be open and humble to listen and receive. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Type an amen. We want to hear from you. Good. Good job. So hopefully, again, we're a note-taking church, so I want to make sure that you are taking notes in some way, shape, or form. The reason why we always encourage people every single week to take notes is because we're trying to speak not just to your Sunday, 
We're not just fulfilling a religious duty today, but we're trying to speak to your Monday through your Saturday, things that we will say today and that you will experience today that will impact when you go back to work or if you're waiting to go back to work or whatever you may face this week, we believe that God has something special for you. So if you're going to get into it, today is part three of Joy Anyway, and the title for today's message is just simply this, Citizen of Heaven. Citizen of heaven. We're continuing through this book, uh, the study in the book of Philippians. And the reason why we're calling it joy anyway, because maybe you're hopping on for the first time, you didn't catch the first couple of sections, and you always can catch up, go to our YouTube channel, and you can do that. But the reason why we're calling it joy anyway is because this, this book of the Bible was written by the Apostle Paul. We believe through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is choosing to write to the Philippians about the topic of joy. Joy seems to be the overarching theme throughout all of the book of Philippians. And it's interesting because of where Paul was when he was writing this. He wasn't writing this from a, from a beach. He wasn't writing this from a vacation. He wasn't writing this from a coffee shop. Paul was writing this letter from prison. One of the last places that you might be and at the same time be thinking about how to talk about joy how to be filled with joy. Philippians 4.4 is, is one of the themes of this entire series, and it, it talks about always be, being filled with the joy of the Lord. And I know right now, over the last few weeks, and maybe even longer with COVID and everything else that's been going on, it can be hard to look at the circumstances that surround us and wonder how in the world can we be filled with joy. And here's the reason why we can be filled with joy, because it's not the same thing as happiness. Happiness is dependent on what is happening around you. When good things are happening, you can be happy. <clears throat> but when bad things are happening, happiness is gone. But the thing about joy is that it doesn't come from our circumstances. It doesn't come from what's going on around us. It comes from Jesus. It's actually a fruit produced by the Holy Spirit in our lives. So that means the joy is not circumstantial. And here's the cool thing. The reason why joy can't be taken away from us no matter what we're facing is because circumstances can't take what circumstances never gave. Jesus gave joy and the circumstances of our world don't have the permission or the power to remove what Jesus has given us. That's a great place to type or to shout amen. Thank you very much. Jesus gives you joy and nobody can steal it. So as I was mentioning before, uh, the section of Philippians that we're going to be covering today is kind of finishing up chapter one. And no, we haven't gone through every single verse of chapter one. Feel free to do that on your own. We're just going through and, and pointing out what we believe God is speaking to us right now. But we see Paul in this particular section talking about citizenship. And honestly, uh, citizenship is a hot button in our, uh, in our country right now, but that's not our target today. That's not the focal point. Paul knew something that he was trying to get the Philippians to understand and also trying to get us in our time today to understand as well. It has equal relevance for our life today as it did 2,000 years ago when Paul was talking to the church in Philippi because he knew that citizenship gets you in places and it gets you out of places. It provides certain rights and protections for most 
although I think we've seen clearly recently that those certain rights and protections don't seem to apply to everybody. But Paul was a Roman citizen, which during that time period provided significant protections and rights compared to other non-citizens of Rome. But on top of that, Paul kind of had two good things going for him, or at least it seemed like it. Paul also was a Jew by birth and heritage. But in Paul's reality, both of these powerful citizenships proved to be basically worthless to Paul because he no longer served the interest of those citizenships. And I think it's kind of interesting that citizenship is such a great benefit until you as a person don't begin to fulfill and serve the need of what that citizenship demands. And then things can turn quickly. And they did for Paul. Paul's locked up in prison. And the reason he's in prison is because he has the two areas that he thought should give him strength and security and protection that are both coming after him because he's preaching the good news about Jesus, that God loves a world, that God gave his son Jesus for the world, and that anyone who put their, puts their faith in him will be saved. The joy of being a citizen of heaven is something that this world cannot steal and cannot take away. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This is going to be, this is going to be good, but this is going to be very practical because I think right now when we look at the world around us, there is so much that is competing for our loyalties. And if you are a Jesus follower, it can be very easy to allow our eyes to get off of the prize, to allow our focus to be blurred. And all of a sudden we find ourselves focusing our loyalty on things that may not reflect the heart of God. So I'm going to give you a couple of highlights that I believe we can pull out of this passage today, talking about being a citizen of heaven. And here's the first one. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. A citizen of heaven renounces allegiance to former citizenships. A citizen of heaven renounces allegiance to former citizenships. When you you change citizenship, you renounce allegiance to the former and you pledge allegiance to the new. Now, I know in our world, there are countries where you can have a dual citizenship, but in the kingdom of God, it just doesn't work that way. In the gospel of Matthew chapter six, Jesus tells us that we can't serve two masters. We can't serve two loyalties because either you will be devoted to one and you will hate the other, or you will be uh, be completely dedicated and and, and you'll be double-minded about what you would need to do with the other. God is looking for people to have single-minded allegiance to his kingdom and what he is doing because his kingdom, for one, is never going to end. Every kingdom of our earth will eventually come to an end. And so God wants us to be a part of something that is bigger than our life. It's even bigger than our world. It's something that is a part of the plan of God. And God knew your name and he called you to be a part of it. So hopefully we can respond to that today. So this word renounce, what does that mean? To renounce is to formally declare one's abandonment of what you were formerly connected to or identified with. This is where it begins to get powerful as we look into uh, our lives as it relates to the kingdom of God. Because when, when we enter the kingdom of heaven, we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are no longer having that same uh, uh, loyalty to the things of this world and to the things that we used to be a part of. It tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, In the English Standard Version, it says it this way. 
It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and so I guess that's us, right? Anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when we give our lives to God, we're doing just that. We're giving our lives to God. It's, it's, not a, it's not a metaphor. It's not, you know, like we're, it's, it's something that we're trying to, to make happen that's just a religious thing. No, it's, it's a relational transaction. It's God paying a high price for your life because he knows you, he loves you, and he wants to unlock the purpose that's inside of you. But it can't happen when we are still living in allegiance to the world where we are in. When we're, we're born into this world and we're born with this sin nature, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. We're born with this sin nature. We have a, a desire inside of us to not do the right things. I don't know about you, but I've got three kids at home and I, I never had to teach them how to say no. I never had to teach them to take a toy away from another child. It just seemed to be naturally in them. I think all the parents would know what I'm talking about. So you have to learn to become what God says you are. And that's the beautiful thing is that in every single man and woman, there is a seed of God inside of you because you are the image bearer of God, every single one of us. And God wants to draw that out and connect us to citizenship in his kingdom. If you're a new creation in Christ and you, you shift over from citizenship to this world over to the kingdom of God, things begin to change. And I'll be the first one to tell you that it's not everything that changes overnight, right? We don't just magically become this beautiful spiritual person where we don't ever think the wrong thought, the thoughts and we don't ever do the wrong things. You know, no, that's, it's a journey and it's a process. But once we make the shift, God desires our heart and our eyes to be fixed on him because he does begin to change and transform things inside of us. I think it's a... Uh, it's important for us, especially within America, to get this concept because I've seen the struggle in American Christianity where, where some people allow their allegiance to our nation to take precedence over their allegiance to our citizenship in heaven. And I know that might be touchy for some people, but just listen. The reason I know this is true is because there are, there are far too many who are choosing red, white, and blue over black, brown, and white. And until that changes, we'll know for those who call themselves Jesus followers that our allegiance is focused on the wrong citizenship. And don't DM me. I'm not talking about some crazy anti-America, one world government thing. I love my country, but you got to understand something is that our country has given us the freedom to create an environment where this progression of equality and liberty can actually happen. It hasn't been pretty but we're in one of the only places in the world where we have a, a un, an imperfect system, but nonetheless, a system that is allowing voices to be heard, allowing mindsets to be changed, allowing conversations to begin to take place that are changing the way that we have thought in a broken way before. And now we're starting to see more than ever. We've got a long ways to go, but we're starting to see more than ever that our allegiance needs to be not on what we are used to, what looks like us, what we're comfortable with. It's not a Democrat thing. It's not a Republican thing, as if Jesus was either one of those. No, 
Jesus wasn't trying to get anybody to think any way politically. He's trying to get us to get our eyes focused on heaven so that our citizenship begins to reflect what already exists in heaven. He, God wants it to, be, to, to become happening here on earth. So number two, number one was the citizen of heaven renounces allegiance to former citizenship. Here's number two. A citizen of heaven embraces the language and the culture of heaven. This is so important. Our, our natural world has a culture, and its most common culture is in-groups and out-groups, choosing sides, political party affiliations, likes and dislikes, the haves and the have-nots. And a lot of those things happen not even by thinking about it. It just happens by, by human nature. We gravitate to things that we are comfortable with. We gravitate to areas where there are those that are like us. But it's not so in the kingdom of God. The language and the culture of heaven is so very different because here's heaven's culture. Here's the culture of heaven. Love God with absolutely everything. That's the culture of heaven. The Bible would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That really doesn't leave any room for anything else. God wants you as an individual to take ownership as you walk into a relationship with him and love him with absolutely everything that you have. But here's the second big part of the culture of heaven. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor. Jesus teaches us that everyone is our neighbor. Not just the person that you like or the person that you dislike. It's everybody. It's not the person that's close to you or the person who is far from you. The person you agree with or those that you disagree with. Everybody is our neighbor and Jesus commands us and demonstrates to us that we are to love them unconditionally. And why is that so important? Because it's a part of the, the culture of heaven. It's a part of the, the culture of heaven and Jesus demonstrated it, not because he was Jesus and perfect and it was easy for him. He demonstrated it because it was essential for us to see it done correctly. It's kind of hard if we look around our world to see it being modeled correctly, which is why we have the word of God and we have the example of Christ because we don't have to figure it out on our own. We can look to what Jesus did. We can follow his example. We can love unconditionally. Heaven has a language. And here are some of the components of the language of heaven. Unconditional love, grace, empathy, justice, righteousness, mercy, forgiveness. When we begin to look at our own language, and I'm not talking about English, Spanish, German, French, I'm talking about what comes out of our mouth. What is our language? How are we communicating? These are the aspects of the language of heaven that God desires to see coming out through people who are following him, who call themselves Christians, who are endeavoring to live the life that God has called us to. Is our language coming out with unconditional love? Is our language giving grace? Is our language showing empathy? Is our language crying out for justice? Is our language demonstrating righteousness? Is our language communicating mercy? Is our language giving forgiveness? The culture and the language opposes what is natural in our world, but that's why it's so imperative that we understand and begin to focus on being citizens of heaven. We begin to learn his language and begin to learn his culture 
And day by day, as we have our moments of success and failures, we can still continue to grow. We can still continue to learn. We can still continue to watch what Jesus did and believe and understand that what he did was done to show us that it's possible. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to follow in the example of somebody who was. This makes us carriers of the culture of heaven in this world that we still live in. It's beautiful because it's not hard to tell when you look out and you see somebody who's living within the culture of heaven. You can see it all over them. You can see in how they carry themselves. You can see it in how they communicate with those that maybe feel far from God or those that may be put down by society or maybe those who are struggling with the things of life. You can see the culture. You can see the language of heaven all over them. And again, it says in verse 27 from our main passage today, just to kind of reiterate it, Paul says, you must, he's, he's crying out, like he's, he's not necessarily making a commandment, he's making a plea. He says, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Because here's the, here's the thing, in the end, your earthly allegiances won't matter. The only thing that will matter in the end is the allegiance that you have to the kingdom of God, to be a citizen of heaven. So how do we do this? How do we begin to change things? How do we begin to shift and transform? Believe it or not, there is a key. There is an answer to this. It's in, in the book of Romans, another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. In chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Come on, God wants to transform you. There are things inside of you that God wants to change and transform. And you know what? It's good because God knows what he's doing more than we ever could. We need to be willing to be humble before the Lord. We need to be willing to listen to what God is doing. We need to be willing to trust God that what he wants to change in us is not just for our better, but it's for everyone's better to make us a better husband, a better wife, a better boss, a better employee, a better citizen around us, a better friend. God wants to do a transformation work inside of us. It continues, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. I heard somebody say one time, they're like, we've got to deal with the strongholds in our own life before we can help others deal with the strongholds in their lives. But there are three, uh, three strongholds that really kind of work through ourselves so that we can get freedom. There is the stronghold of our mind, the stronghold of our heart, and the stronghold of our feet. When we begin to change the way that we think in our mind, it will begin to also change and transform our heart. As our heart begins to change and transform, it will change how we live, how we walk out life. But we got to have this transformation moment. And Paul finishes there. He says that after God's changing the way that you think, it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul was was able to be filled with joy even when all of his earthly citizenships were taken from him or were stabbing him in the back or weren't coming through the way that the law said that they should. But he still had joy. You know why he had joy? Because he still had Jesus. He still had the ability to look at what God was doing in his life. 
He had the ability to look at what God was doing in the Philippian church and it brought him great joy. We have that ability as well. Regardless of everything that's going on around us, regardless of how crazy things get, we still have the ability to have the joy of God alive inside of us. And here's the last one right here, number three. A citizen of heaven picks up the cross of heaven. A citizen of heaven picks up the cross of heaven. Let me read this to you from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. Jesus is talking right here. And he says, Then calling uh, the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus was trying to increase his disciples. He said, If anyone of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. That sounds, you know, that sounds really cool and biblical to us, but for Jesus to use those words in the time period that he was walking on this earth would have been like crazy talk because the cross was a known symbol in the Roman Empire of of death of persecution, and, and for the worst of the worst. For us, that would be like saying, take up your lethal injection and follow Jesus. That's that you would never say that in, in a normal conversation. That doesn't even sound good. It sounds weird. It, it sounds morbid to talk about. But that's the same impact that these words had when Jesus was walking on this earth. He says, listen, I want you to know there is going to be a price that is paid to be my follower." There is going to be struggles that you will have because you are my follower. We all, and especially in America, we want to believe that that following Jesus means that all of our problems are going to go away. All of our relationships are going to be great. All of our financial issues are going to go away. We just think that, you know, the following Jesus is going to be some magic pixie dust that fixes everything. But the reality is, is that following Jesus isn't about everything becoming perfect in this world. Following Jesus is about you learning how to live as a citizen of something that is so much bigger than you could ever imagine and living in in this realm while we are tapped into another realm. Jesus' followers literally have the ability to have one foot in the kingdom of heaven and the other foot still here on earth while we are learning the realities, the language, and the culture of heaven and then we are living those things out in the world where we are here today. And I'm telling you, when we become the church and Jesus followers who are more focused on living as citizens of heaven than we are on any other allegiance or any other loyalty, we will see something take place in our world and in our nation that has never been seen before. History would show us that there have been moments of this. There have been pockets. They tend to be called revival in history books. Where, where a move of God came through and people began to live and act as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But because we live in an imperfect world, those things tend to kind of ebb and flow. But we still have the ability by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to tap into the reality of what Jesus tells us is possible. We can live as citizens of heaven. We can still be good citizens here on earth. We can still do what the Bible tells us to do, which is to honor and pray for our authorities. Yeah, even the ones that we don't like. 
even the ones that we didn't vote for, even the ones that maybe we don't agree with. But there is something special when it comes to honor. When we choose to honor, we also reflect the values of the kingdom of heaven. It's not normal, but neither is God. It's not something that we're used to, but it's something that we need. And I pray that as we continue to look at the issues that are facing our communities, the issues that are facing our nation, and far beyond that, that are impacting our entire globe, that we would see that the solution to these answers is not going to be an election. The solution to these answers is not going to be legislation. The solution to these answers are going to be men and women who have made the choice to follow Christ, that we would take up our cross of heaven, that we would carry that burden as well. And that as we follow Christ, we would carry the weight that is worthy of the good news that people need to hear. That we would be citizens of heaven. That we would carry the culture, the language, the heartbeat of our God. That we would embody the things that he did for us so that people can see those things through our life as well. Next week, we're going to go into chapter 2. And there's a, there's a beautiful section in chapter 2 where we talk about the privilege of Jesus and what he gave up so that he could come and be who he was, the Savior of the world. But to wrap things up today, now more than ever, we need to know where our allegiances lie. And I think for many people, we're looking in the wrong places. We're arguing the wrong details. We're putting our emphasis in the wrong areas. And my heart as a pastor for this church, for Convo Church, and for anyone else who would hear this, is that you would be challenged and inspired to check your heart, check your mind, check your thoughts. Let's check our language as we speak. Let's, let's check the culture that we exude through our lifestyle. Are we, are we fulfilling the challenge that Paul gave to the church in Philippi? Are we living as citizens of heaven in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ? This is never going to be about legalism and following religious law. This is going to be about having that relationship with God that brings you to a place of honoring Jesus with your life. So let me give you one final scripture here, and then I want to pray for you. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And I hope that your hearts are open to hear this. This is such a beautiful passage. John's writing, he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love, and this is that unconditional God love, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God doesn't just love, it's his identity. God is love. God showed, how, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression within us.
Father, I pray that right now that you will help every single person. God, help me change my heart. Father, begin as we sing today in worship. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Let it consume us, God. Let us not be distracted by false narratives. Let us not be distracted and pulled apart by allegiances that aren't connected, God, to what really matters in your kingdom. I pray that you will help us to love one another the way that you loved us. And God, when you came and you loved, you weren't loving people that loved you back. You loved an entire world, eternity past and into the future, who lived lives that rejected your very nature, yet you still loved. God, help us to receive this love, not just for ourselves, but overflowing, God, so that we can begin to love our neighbors around us in the same way way. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.